Section twenty nine of the Mary Frances Story Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Mary Frances Story Book by Jane Eyre Fryer. The Stories of the Fourth Day. Music Bewitched. When all the story people were assembled, the story king in his place, Mary Frances in the blue velvet chair beside the story queen, the ready writer with pen upraised, the story lady began. Today we have six short stories. The first is about a schoolboy named Bob, and how he conquered his worst enemies. Bob's Three Foes Thud, 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 hit him in the eye, knocked the pipe out of his mouth. Ha, ha, there goes his nose, I hit him that time. These dreadful sounds seem to say that some barbarous piece of cruelty was going on. But the victim was only a snowman, which the boys of Strappington School had set up in their playground. Truth to tell, the snowman did not like it much, but boys cannot be expected to understand the feelings of a snowman. So he bore it very patiently, and when one snowball came in each eye and a third in his mouth, he never spoke a word or flinched a muscle. But how was the schoolmaster to know that it was only a snowman, and what was more natural than that he should peep over the playground wall to see what was going on? And how was little Ralph Ruddy to know that the schoolmaster was there? And how was he to know that the snowball which was meant for the snowman's pipe, would land itself on the schoolmaster's nose. Oh, the horror that seized upon the school at that dire event, and the dead silence that reigned in the playground. For those were the good old times of long ago, when anything that went wrong was set right with a birch rod. Little Ralph Ruddy knew only too well what was coming when the angry schoolmaster ordered him into the schoolroom. The snowman, of course, was left in the playground all alone. He saw the boys troop indoors and heard some angry words and some cries of pain and saw poor little Ralph thrust into the cold playground and heard the door slam behind him and stared without once turning his head or blinking his eyes, while the little fellow sat on the snowy doorstep with knuckles screwed into each eye, and indeed the good snowman himself felt half inclined to cry. Only the tears froze inside before they got out of his eyes, so he couldn't. When the bell rang at four o'clock, the boys came out, and among them Bob Hardy the son of a poor farm laborer. A cruel shame, I call it, muttered Bob, 
to whip a little chap like that and then shut him out in the cold i told him ralph ruddy never meant to do it and then he caned me as well a real brute i call him and i'll pay him out too i declare i'll break his bedroom windows this very night and let him try how he likes the winter wind and bob meant to do it too he climbed out of the cottage window when all were asleep and made his way down to the schoolhouse by moonlight with a pocket full of stones and climbed the wall of the playground and stood there all ready to open fire when a voice startled him a sort of shivering whisper better not bob better wait a bit said the voice bob dropped the stone and looked about but there was no one near except the snowman shining weirdly in the pale moonlight however the words whoever spoke them set bob a-thinking and instead of breaking the schoolmaster's windows he went home again and got into bed that was in january and when january was done february came as happens in most years february brought good fortune at least bob's mother said so for she got a job as charwoman at the squire's for which she was well paid it did not turn out so very well though after all for the butler said she stole a silver spoon and told the squire so and if the butler could have proved what he said the squire would have sent her to prison only he could not so she got off and bob's mother declared that she had no doubt the butler took the spoon himself all right said bob to himself i'll try the strength of my new oaken stick across the butler's back and he meant it too for that very evening he shouldered his cudgel and tramped away to the big house and when he got there the door stood wide open so in he walked now there hung in the hall the portrait of a queer old lady in a stiff frill and a long waist and an old-fashioned hoop petticoat and when bob entered the house what should this old lady do but shake her head at him to be sure there was only a flickering lamp in the entry and bob thought at first it must have been the dim light and his own fancy so he went striking through the hall with his cudgel in his hand better not bob said the old lady better wait a bit why they won't let me do anything grumbled bob but he went home without thrashing the butler all the same that was in february you know well when february was done march came and with it came greater ill fortune than ever for bob's father was driving his master's horse and cart to market when what should jump out of the ditch but old nanny jones donkey an ugly beast at the best of times and enough to frighten any horse but what must 
the brute do on this occasion but set up a terrific braying which sent farmer thornycroft's new horse nearly out of its wits so that he backed the cart and all that was in it including bob's father into the ditch a pretty sight they looked there for the horse was sitting where the driver ought to be and bob's father was seated much against his wish in a large basket full of eggs with his legs sticking out one side and his head the other of course farmer thornycroft did not like to lose his eggs who would for even the most obliging hens cannot be persuaded to lay an extra number in order to make up for those that are broken but for all that farmer thornycroft had no right to lay all the blame on bob's father and stop two shillings out of his week's wage so bob's father protested and that made farmer thornycroft angry and then since fire kindles fire bob's father grew angry too and called the farmer a cruel brute and so the farmer dismissed him and gave him no wages at all we can hardly be surprised that when bob heard of all this he felt a trifle out of sorts but the desire for vengeance which he felt could hardly be justified he went pelting over the fields and all the way he went he muttered to himself a cruel shame i call it but i'll pay him out i mean to let his sheep out of his pen and then i will go and just tell him that i've done it now the field just before you came to farmer thornycroft's sheep pen was sown with spring wheat and they had put up a scarecrow there to frighten the birds away the scarecrow was very much down in the world his coat had no buttons and his hat had no brim and his trousers had only a leg and a half his well-to-do relations in the tailor's windows would not have cared to meet him in the street at all but even the ragged and unfortunate have their feelings and the scarecrow was truly sorry to see bob scouring across the field in such a temper just as bob passed him he flapped out at him with one sleeve and the boy turned sharply round to see who it was only a scarecrow said he blown about by the wind and went on his way but as he went strange to say he heard or thought he heard a voice call after him better wait bob better wait a bit so bob went home again and never let the sheep astray after all but he thought it very hard that he might not punish either the schoolmaster or the butler or the farmer father pan's revenge now the folk that hid behind the shadows thought well of bob for his self-restraint and they determined that they would work for him and make all straight again 
so when bob went down the river side the next day and took out his knife to cut some reeds for whistle pipes father pan breathed upon the reeds and enchanted them what a breeze exclaimed bob but he knew nothing at all of what had in reality happened bob finished his pan pipes and trudged along and whistled on them to his heart's content when he got to the village he was surprised to see a little girl begin to dance to his tune and then another little girl and then another bob was so astonished that he left off playing and stood looking at them open-mouthed with wonder but so soon as ever he left off playing the little girls ceased to dance and as soon as they had recovered their breath they began to beg him not to play again for the whistle-pipes they were sure must be bewitched ho ho cried bob here's a pretty game i'll just give the schoolmaster a turn come that will not do him any harm at any rate strange to say at that very moment the schoolmaster came along the street toot 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 twiddle twiddle toot went the pan pipes and away went the schoolmaster's legs cutting such capers as the world never looked upon before gaily trudged bob along the street and gaily danced the schoolmaster the people looked out of their windows and laughed and the poor schoolmaster begged bob to leave off playing no no answered bob i saw you make poor little ralph ruddy dance with pain it is your turn now just then the squire's butler came down the street of course he was much puzzled to see the schoolmaster dancing to the sound of a boy's whistle but he was presently more surprised to find himself doing the very same thing he tried with all his might to retain his stately gait but it was all of no use his legs flew up in spite of himself and away he went behind the schoolmaster following bob all through the village the best sight was still to come for the tyrannical farmer thornycroft was just then walking home from market in a great heat with a big sample of corn in each of his side pockets and turning suddenly round a corner went right into the middle of the strange procession and caught the infection in a moment up flew his great fat legs and away he went pitching and tossing and jumping and twirling and jigging up and down like an elephant in a fit how the people laughed to be sure standing in the doorways and viewing this odd trio it was good for them that they did not come too near or they would have been seized with the fit as well the schoolmaster was nearly fainting the butler was in despair and the perspiration poured down the farmer's face but that mattered not to bob he had promised himself to take them for a dance all round the village and he did it and at length when he had completed the tour he stopped for just one minute and asked the schoolmaster whether he would beg ralph ruddy's pardon 
and the schoolmaster said he would if only bob would lead off playing then he asked the farmer if he would take his father back and pay him his wages and the farmer said he would and finally he asked the butler if he would give up the spoon that he had stolen and confessed to the squire that bob's mother had nothing to do with it but the butler said oh no indeed so bob began to play again and they all began to dance again till at last the schoolmaster and the farmer both punched the butler until he promised and then bob left off playing the three poor men went home in a terrible plight and the schoolmaster begged little ralph's pardon and the butler cleared the stain from bob's mother's character and bob's father went back to work and farmer thornycroft soon afterwards took bob on too and he made the best farm boy that ever lived the story lady rested a minute while the story people were laughing and talking about what they had heard as she began again there was instant silence the next story she said is that of a brave girl who lived in the work a day world end of section 29 recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc